The Open Nesters is a weekly podcast focusing on couples and individuals who are looking for new beginnings after their kids have left the nest. This week on the Open Nesters podcast with Isha Vela. And so the way that I've learned to be with pain is by by leaning into it with pleasure, like really knowing pain is like, oh, I get to feel pain because I'm human and that's beautiful. It gives me more permission to feel it all the way because we tend to feel things a little bit and then we're like, oh, that's enough. And then we like, we move away from it. But like, can you be fully human? Can you have a, the full range of emotions? <laughs> Today, you'll hear from Isha, who has a PhD in somatic psychology, and learning about somatics has been an incredible journey for me, so I wanted to bring this to you because she has so many therapies and healing modalities that really heal us, and especially at this stage of life, we have so much time to explore them. And I've heard this interview, and I've learned a lot, especially about intimacy wounds. So let's hear it from Isha Villa. Welcome, my dear friend, Isha Vela, to the Open Nesters podcast. So good to finally have you here with us. Hello. I know. I'm so excited. Thank you for inviting me, Tessa. So let's uh, let's start at the beginning. I mean, I know you and I met as, as you had very little children, and now they're just a little bit bigger, very tall and beautiful. <laughs> so not quite an open nester. And yet I do feel like the work that you do is, is helping so many people at the age of awareness. So, you know, give us an update about not just your work, but kind of a little bit about you to bring us up to date to where you are and kind of the main few minutes of points that brought you to where you are today. I know it's hard to do in a very few minutes, but I'm going to challenge you because I know you're up for it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, the, the nuts and bolts of it is that I was a trauma psychologist working with underserved populations. And I was working with highly traumatized people and realized that I have, I was holding a lot of trauma in my body as well. And that became apparent to me when I got sick after having my first child. And that led me to do a four-year program in somatics, uh, trauma-informed somatics, during, during which time I really healed a lot of my attachment wounding, my, you know, my intimacy wounds, as I call them, and decided through that, through that uh, experience that I needed to be on my own. I ended my marriage of almost 15 years and um, kind of came out as queer and polyamorous, which I was sort of before I got married, but I'd sort of set that aside. So that's where I am now. And I'm now supporting polyamorous folks in healing their intimacy wounds so that they can have more highly connected and delicious intimacy and connection with their partners. Wow. You are so sharp at being able to put that together. And yet I so also want this to be a time that you can speak your truth so people know that they can find theirs. Yes. Uh, and so I, we have a little more time as, as our kids, perhaps ha- some of them adulting fully, some of them partially, some of them with challenges as we know in the world. And yet let's start with the basics of intimacy, because I always, you know, I always like what we always heard intimacy 
Yes. And almost like to be with other, but I think intimacy first starts with us and our own self-trust. So yes. why don't we talk about how that came about for you, that real ability to see that intimacy to now become more authentically you, some of the tools you started using and, and some of the ways that as we have more time, you would, you would suggest for others, but how it started with you. Yeah, for me, I mean, I didn't understand that many of the issues that I was experiencing in my life had to do with disconnection from myself, the ways that I had disconnected to some disconnected from really important parts of myself, like, you know, child parts that get left behind or, you know, fearful parts. Over the course of this four-year training, a lot of the work was was in relationship. All of the work was in relationship. And what I realized is that I was, I had become, like I was disconnected from, uh, I don't even know how to quite say it, but I, I, I the, in a nutshell, again, <laughs> what I realized was what I had thought was my personality, what I thought was that's just the way that I am, was actually a set of defenses. It was actually a way that I had learned to survive in the world by disconnecting, by separating from other people and separating from parts of myself. And the healing was really about being able to be with myself. To, to, it was a process of self-knowledge, of understanding, of connecting to my rage and connecting to my love, connecting to the emotions that I had tuned out or turned away from, parts of myself that I had exiled, um, you know, the, the shame that I was holding in my body, all of that, you know, n- knowing myself through the experiences of feeling into those, expressing those, and having those seen and witnessed by other people in my program, that was the process of healing and owning myself, being able to basically have a 360 view of this is all of who I am and I am in command of all of those parts and I can bring all of those parts into my relationships. Nothing is forbidden. Nothing is left behind. So beautiful. So the the somatic work, which people don't always know what that really means, is such deep embodiment. And I went to Isha as as a traumatic uh, stage in my life to release some of that with what she called with how she helps work with this rage. And, and I've seen you firsthand being able to find different modalities that really empower people to, to express all of themselves and to bring it on and to bring it forward. It's something we're not used to in this society. So, so that's, that's what the, the this beautiful work that I feel like you're doing. And, and, um, and, and I wonder I mean, there's no way to get at it and have a quick fix. <laughs> there's just no way. There's no way anybody give you top 10, all that stuff just never <laughs> works. I mean, and so when you open up that, sometimes that's really, it's a really, it's painful process to start opening, right? Yeah, it's painful, right? We experience pain and pain is part of being human. And so the way that I've learned to be with pain is by, by leaning into it with pleasure, like really um, knowing pain is like, oh, I get to feel pain because I'm human and that's beautiful, wow. right? So it's like, it, 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 it just 
it gives me more permission to feel it all the way. Cause we tend to feel things a little bit and then we're like, Oh, that's enough. And then we like, we move away from it. But like, can you be fully human? Can you have a, the full range of emotions? Right. Because we are so huge. Like we are so capable. We are incredible. <laughs> we are, we have superpowers and part of our superpowers is being able to feel emotion and express emotion. And I, and I, that's, that's sort of what I teach people is to learn to trust their feelings, to listen to the, the messengers that they are and to alchemize them into something meaningful. So, so profound and how that, that basic of getting out of that victimhood that we put ourselves in first. And then we know that we've had that with, you know, I actually watched you on a panel, a brilliant panel recently on, on capacity and consent that I also thought was so interesting because first we have to consent with ourselves and like that whole intimacy thing is what are my boundaries? We all know to kind of listen to. And then deconstructing that victim sacrifice story too. So yeah. can I speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, sort of I'm sort of looking for the entry point here because, you know, we do experience victimization, right? And and so our victimhood is is often comes from real lived experiences. And when we experience trauma, for example, we you know, we are victimized and we disconnect from our bodies because that's like how we get through the trauma. The problem is that later when it comes to knowing ourselves or uh, offering consent or right, negotiating any sort of situation, whether it's in a relationship or, you know, at work or something, we don't have access to all of ourselves because we had to survive. And so we, we are not intimate with it. We're not fully intimate with ourselves and we can't, we're only, we can only be as intimate with other people as we are with ourselves, right? You can only give what you have already inside of you. And if you don't have access to that hundred percent, you can't give hundred percent. You can only give 20 if you've only had access to 20. Do you think we ever get to a hundred percent? I think it's a lifelong thing. I think it's a, right? It's an ever-evolving, we are evolutionary, right? This, the model that I use for work is an evolutionary model. And yes, we're always sort of spiraling in deeper to the human experience. And I find like I'm always opening and opening and opening and opening and discovering new parts of myself. So yeah, like- um, and, well, and welcoming the pain as you do that. And I think yes. like that's our learning. Like right now I'm dealing with certain kinds of pain or there's always things that come up for us in our bodies that that we don't always want to acknowledge and look at and, and look at as, as, a, as, a, as a teacher. Yes. And, and, and that's, I mean, so the, our bodies teach us. And so I know you'll talk a little bit more about that. And our others witnessing us teaches us, like you were talking oh, about yes. being witnessed. So- Let's discuss that, like and how somebody can even act, start accessing those two things in their lives, their, their, their body somatic, they're just to start sensing in. Yeah. And, and you use the word sense, right? Often over the course of our life, because, you know, life sometimes 
smacks us around a little bit. We, we know we are not fully seen in our, in our, the fullest expression of our humanity as children, right? We come in sort of with the, with our erotic life force and we're not always seen in that we are shut down in sort of a million different ways through our schooling system or through our parent, you know, through our relationship with our parents, our energy is managed. It is told, well, we, we like this part, but leave this part behind. Right. And so we learn to sort of like, oh, this is how I get to be in the world. And this is what's acceptable. And in the process of doing so, we, again, we disown parts of ourselves, but we also numb to sensation because if we feel the pain as children of, of being rejected or of being abandoned, if we feel that fully, we would sort of experience an egoic death. And so we preserve our egos, our egos, like they stay alive for good reason, right? We need them. But in the process of surviving, we numb, we numb to sensation, we numb to feeling. And the process of embodiment, the process of somatics is attuning to feeling in the body, becoming more aware of sensation and honoring those sensations, not making them right or wrong, good or bad, but like staying curious about them and allowing them to move in whatever way they want to move. So it's like, it is equal parts curiosity and permission giving. Yeah. Right. And in the work that I offer, we create safe containers for people to feel their rage, for people to like to have their monsters, right? To have the 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 parts of their humanity that are sort of a little gritty and a little harder to look at because that's all it all gets to be here. And even our shadow, right? The parts of our personality that may we may not like very much. It all it does, it's just, it comes from a place of having been hurt. It's not a bad thing. It just comes from a place of having been hurt. And when we can sort of like dig into it a little bit, we find that there are light qualities in there. Can you give me an example? Use. Anything in your yeah. clients or yourself? I'll, I'll share one from myself. Like when I was a child, I was often called dramatic. It was sort of shamed and put down. I was told, oh, you're going to be an actress someday or da, 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 da. And that was very hurtful. And so growing up, I learned to contain my drama, but my drama was like playing out in other parts of my life. But I would like show up in my professional role as psychologist is very sort of straight and narrow, but there was like chaos running in my, in my relationships. And so that's how my drama was all playing out. But then when I started to move into that and really honor the part of me that was like, yeah, like, look at me, I want all the attention. When I started to own that, I started showing up differently and I started to use my drama to, to write online or to show up in my business in a different way, right? The work that I do is very dramatic, right? We enact things, we feel our feelings. And so I get to be dramatic there. And now my relationships are much healthier, right? I can come into my parenting role very differently instead of being more this oh, intense parent, right? I can, I get to, it gets to be here and it gets to be used in a way that is helpful and that serves other people. So almost those skills to, you're rewiring your, 
your skills and you're and you're bringing that like you said the shadow to light yes by, by, you, like- by finding the place that they have you know we all have times to be extroverts or extro- introverts that's kind of a basic and simple way to put what you just are saying but how right. how that serves us in our bodies that feels authentic yeah yeah i once had an energy healer tell me your shadow is very angry <laughs> And I knew exactly what I was talking about because I was sort of like, you know, in my, in my exploration of spirituality, like I was like, oh, I can't curse if I'm spiritual or I can't show up in a certain way. And my shadow was pissed off. And so then I started, I started giving her a job. I was like, okay, you get to play and you get to be a little bit of an exhibitionist and you get to like kinky. All right. Play play and let's let's write about spirituality and you get to play along with me and we'll we'll make a great team awesome so does that play need to be witnessed or is it something we do by ourselves like i started asking you earlier about so i'm really curious right yes i i believe that we are you know we get hurt in relationship and the way we heal is also in relationship. And I, you know, I teach people the skills to be with themselves. And I really think it's so important to be witnessed. And in fact, you know, if it hadn't been for group work, I wouldn't be where I am now. I had to be witnessed by a whole bunch of people because I like the attention. I wanted the big container, right? Like one-on-one work is great, but I wanted a whole audience. So that was for you, but maybe for some people, they don't need that audience. Exactly. So it's really dependent on the person I, I'm getting. Yes, absolutely. But the witnessing, the holding, I, I believe like someone holding a space for you and someone holding a particular energetic frequency of space where there's like, there's this unwavering presence, this unwavering like I am with you and I am not leaving that, that radical acceptance of everything of all of who you are, that is healing. So yes, that, that we want to be witnessed. We, everybody wants to be seen and heard. And especially these parts that are left behind or abandoned or disowned. Those are the ones that need the most love that need the most witnessing and hearing out. If you like this episode, you'll also love other episodes on our website under the Listen tab. Scroll down to our Aging, Health, and Grief category. So beautiful. And I love I love how you, you create what you are creating in your life with your full love. I mean, and I feel that's where it's coming from. And that's the spiritual piece is that we do witness someone with and and it's not an easy thing to do in your relationships either, because there are so many, so many things that bother us. So most of our people who are have been in many relationships by the time they're open nesters or if they're becoming open nesters. Yeah. And I do want to speak to this age and this stage of life and how you see that people can start creating more awareness about some of that trauma, about their own embodiment. And I will say what people may not know what embodiment basically comes down to sometimes is movement breath and sound. And so we can explain those a little more together. And yet I, cause that's the kind of work I do too. And I do feel like getting to that hard part is really your expertise. And so someone who gently wants to come into it and why at this stage of life, what, is this an opportunity? What, what do you, what do you mm-hmm. see now? Yeah. I mean, you, you, you hit it on the head, just the movement, breath and voice. It's actually very simple, basic tools that we sort of forget And, you know, this thinking about the generation of open nesters and 
how that generation was raised. It was raised very much as like, you are seen, but not heard, right? Like just in terms of like the level of, I would say disembodiment and, and conditioning and socialization is, is very, very deep. And so giving yourself the space to move your body on a daily basis and move it in a particular way, sort of like just attuning to, yes, I have this body and this body wants to move in certain ways and getting out of the head being sort of the dominant part of your body, but letting your body have its own intelligence. The body has its own mind. And when you allow that mind to make decisions, right? Like, oh, I want to, I want to move this way. or I want to roll on the floor. We often make stories about that. We're like, oh, we, we can't do that because we're a certain age or we can't do that because of this and that. But what if we just said yes to it? Right? And the more you can say yes to your body, to those impulses, to that flow, you begin to connect more to yourself. And you, like, I find like a lot of this work is about reclaiming those inner children, the playful parts, the curious parts, right? The ones that want to like, they want to eat the world. They want to uncover all the mysteries. Like that is the juice of life. And that's what I want to encourage your listeners to, to be asking themselves is like, what does, what do I want to do today? How do I want to experience today? And when I say I, I'm, you know, I often, I often encourage people to ask sort of the, the child that maybe got left behind or that got shut down. What do they want to do? Right. And then, you know, even if like this morning I had some little bits of pain and I wasn't in the mood to get moving. And so on one hand, I could listen to that, that, that pain and say, okay, how does my pain want to move me? And so sometimes I'll put on music to try to just, you know, if you have to arrive in bed or you have to move that pain, like we don't always look at that, the, the, the harder sides of how to release some of it. And we can do more of that. We can do that ourselves, but it takes getting out of our head saying, um, no, I just want, or, or maybe there's a laziness too that wants to say, no, I want to feel sorry for myself. And there are times we need to have a little bit of that self, -com I mean, yeah. that's self-compassion. Yes. So that on the movement piece, you know, how would you help people to get to that rage part on their own or that pain part on their own in the movement piece? Yeah. Well, as, as someone, you know, I experience chronic pain and so, there are different types of movement that, that support me. Like I, I use sensual movement as a way to like, you know, cause often as a way to connect to my eroticism, my radiance, my pleasure, because I, I can have days where I feel a hundred years old because my body hurts, especially in the winter time. And when I move my body in a sensual way, I connect to like, Oh yes, this is here. This is still here. Right. And so it's, it's not lost. We can access pleasure in every single moment. We can access our erotic life force in every single moment. This is sort of the ancient technology that's always here with us. All we need to do is drop in. We need to slow down, give ourselves permission to feel it and then feel it. And sometimes you, if you, does your head block you from like, I think that I don't like to use the word discipline because it's away from that, that terrible discipline approach. Yes. And yet, if I say to myself every morning, I'm going to have a, a practice for some kind of 
pleasure or embodiment. And even if it doesn't feel like it's actual pleasure until I start doing it, or even if it doesn't feel pleasurable because there's pain, I'm committed. It's not obligation. It's not discipline. It's maybe commitment. I mean, how do you feel it's about It's showing that? up. I call it devotion. Oh, I like that. I call it devotion because you're showing up and maybe you're showing up to yourself in ways that, you know, your caregivers never showed up for you, right? Like I, I teach devotion on, on a variety of levels, right? There's like mental devotion, like doing mindset work. There's um, spiritual devotion, prayer or meditation, whatever it is. There's, you know, devotion to your physical body, even like nourishing yourself with good food and, you know, movement. Um, but there's also devotion to your energetic blueprint. Like how does your energy want to move? Where does the energy want to flow today? Right. And then there's, there's emotional devotion, like letting those emotions move through you, saying yes to them, feeling them all the way. And this is a place where a lot of us get stuck because our, our, our nervous systems, it's not even like a mental story, but sometimes we really get afraid because we didn't have space to feel the whole range of emotions and we don't have the experience of it. And so our nervous systems goes, oh, I, I can't do that. Or I'm afraid if I, if I feel this, I'm just going to become engulfed or I'm going to become overwhelmed and I won't get out of it. I won't be able to get out of the sadness. If I felt my grief, right, then I won't be able to get out of the sadness. But that's not how emotions work. When you will let them go all the way, they move. They're just like a wave. And we need to learn to trust the wave. When you show up in devotion to all of these different aspects of yourself, your body registers it as an act of love. Your body registers that as showing up. And that builds trust, just like any relationship, right? You show up for somebody, it builds a friendship. It builds a relationship. You show up for yourself, same thing happens. Showing up, man, that is so well put. And I, I, I so honor this that I don't want people to be overwhelmed by the amount of practices they can do. And yet it, they're simple. And I think we make too big of a deal of how yes. can I do it all. So yes. stepping into something simply and, you know, we could even go to some of the other you know, parts of embodiment. So that was kind of movement, but you started touching on on prayer and breath and sound and voice. And that's part of the devotion to ourselves. Whatever you have easiest access to, I, I would yes. always say, to start with, right? So yeah. how about these other pieces of embodiment? How do you help people kind of step into that? Well, I want to I wanna just say something like I'm an actually, I'm kind of a lazy person in terms of the devotion. Like I do devotion because I am still a, a mom, a part-time mom. I'm an entrepreneur, right? Like I have a busy life. I have partners. So my devotion is lazy. Like sometimes devotion is just like, oh, I'm putting the dishes in the dishwasher and I can like, I'm, I'm fully in the experience of that. Or I light a candle in the morning and I light it only for like five minutes, but I lit it and I stretched or you know, I, I sat down to eat a bowl of soup and I was really like with the soup and with the experience of it going down my throat. Like, so it can be as simple as that. It can just be being in the moment, like experiencing everything and taking it in and digesting it. That's sort of, that's the lazy version. <laughs> I love that beautiful entry. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. And so for the bigger, for the bigger emotions, like for example, I'll give an example from the weekend. Like um, on Saturday, I just got really anxious and I, I'm, 
it's not someone who tends to go into anxiety very often. And there was a situation that was kind of brewing that I just was feeling my anxiety, like ramping, 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 ramping. And I was just like tuning in and I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, what is it? What intimacy wound is it going back into? And I was like, public humiliation, right? Because I was bullied. I was like, okay, it's public humiliation and exclusion. Okay, so I'm getting really scared about that. And so I was able to, to sort of tune into the scared part within myself that was like, oh my God, if I'm publicly humiliated, I'm going to die, right? The part that was really, really scared. And I was like, you know what? We're going to keep this really simple. If it doesn't work out, we're just going to turn around and we're going to do something else. You're not going to die. It feels like you're going to die, but you're not. And I, and I was able to sort of come down from that. But I was, as soon as I was able to identify it with where it was coming from, I was able to meet myself and move the energy. But we often don't know where some of these things are coming from. We don't know. We forget the intimacy wounds. We discard them. We minimize them. And that's why it's important to, to not understand them with the head, but to let them move through the body. And sometimes I have people, um, you know, bringing some of these, these sensations in the body, bringing them into expression. Like, does this sensation have words? Does it have something it wants to express? Can you give it permission to be here right now? And as you do, it gets to come out. It's sort of, it's almost like a, almost like a vomiting process or of a washing out. The places that get stuck in us are the parts that were, weren't allowed to be expressed. And, you know, People often think, oh, I don't want to go into the past, but it's not the past because your body experiences the sensation in real time. It's showing up in your relationships in real time, those intimacy wounds. So we don't go into the past. The past is here with you right now. We're just dealing with what's coming up right now and we're bringing it into expression and you get to have it and you get to move through it. And then there's more space for joy, for pleasure, for connection. And at this stage of life, it's never too late. Some, you know, and actually, I believe that we're coming into, I've been saying recently, as I come into being 60, wow, I love the idea that 60 is the first decade that has my, has the S in it, that more spirituality, more, more sensation to who I am, more of the the sexuality that I want to express. And instead of getting stuck with those 60s and 70s, as we are emerging we can we can really embrace them in our, this somatic way, and yes. people don't know how somatics really can. I mean, what what would you say is a is a good basic for them to start with, and how can they? And we'll go into how they can reach you as well. And yet, like ways to start the sensory process if it's not something they've been attuned to, uh, just to start stepping into that. Yeah, uh, I I would say like a good place to start would be to just be like in in this what I call the compassionate observer of just noticing, right? Noticing how the, your clothing feels on your skin, right? Just starting with a little bit of physical noticing of sensation, right? Noticing the weight of, or like, you know, how your shoulders are curved or like what it's like to have your legs positioned in this way, or even using touch on your own body. Like how does your own touch feel on your leg, for example, or on your, on the side or on your back. And then you can start to come inside 
what are some of the physical sensations that you feel inside of your body? Oh, okay. I feel some tightness in my right hip, or I feel like my, my ankle feels a little funny, or my chest feels really open. And then bring it onto the, the sensation level of emotion, right? How does my breath feel? Or right when I bring my breath down into my belly, what do I sense is in there? What can I feel in there? What am I feeling right now, right? And asking those feelings, what do they need? That is sort of the, it really is, you know, we, we complicate embodiment, but it really is just about attuning to sensation because we grow up in a culture that encourages numbness, encourages automaticity. And, you know, this whole story, like this whole thing about getting old and, and, like getting old and sort of like dying is BS. And it's just, as you said, like there's more space for aliveness. We can change the story. That's an old story. <laughs> you know, that's an old story. There is like, because we are ever evolving beings, the sixties can be like your most alive time. Sure. There are some physical limitations, but energetically speaking, hello, right? There's so and much possibility. This beautiful time. Actually, Isha had me on one of her community to, to discuss becoming the crone. Yes. Because there's three archetypes that if you've never heard of, you can, is there, a, do you, is there any resource that you like in particular to start for people to look into the maiden mother crone archetypes? Yeah, Carolyn Mice, yeah, um, M-Y-S-S. She does amazing work around archetypes. So, so this archetype of the crone is beautiful because I'm starting to embody my beauty and my own, all the parts of me in such a, such a more evolved and, and accepting, loving, compassionate way that I can now teach that as a crone. So look at this as such an opportunity as we age. I feel like that there's so, so much about being alive at this stage that is so wise and feels different to me. So you know, thank you for bringing it out that we don't have to, our cells, of course, are going to have more fragility. And there's a shadow of that, that we have to look at and say, you know what, that helps me slow down. It helps mm -hmm. me be conscious of how I want to bring new practices maybe into my body and more time and mm -hmm. space into my body. I mean, one of the things I've started using that just might just reminded me because of you talking about uh, embodiment being so simple is a journaling even about every morning kind of bringing up what something what what opens for me physically and in my emotions and then yeah. journaling about that because so I mean we sometimes people don't love to journal I was not typical so much of a journal and I'm finding that that process has been so enriching for me at this stage when yes. I have more time yeah. So, and, and when someone's not distracting you in the home, because you have maybe your own mornings. Yes. So uh, starting with that as a, as a devotion, I love that rather than a discipline or even a practice, we say, yeah, I'd have to do my, have to do my morning practice, either exercise that many of us do all of our lives. I have to do it. Yeah. And, and that, that, that obligation thing takes the joy away. It yes. takes away our true authentic self of how am I feeling today? So the first step could be about how am I feeling today, right now? Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I love that. I love the, yeah, we need to change the stories because look, I'm not going to lie. There is a, 
you know, as I age, um, I'm 48 years old now and I feel 38 and I forget that I'm 48, but because, because there's a story about what it's like to be 48, what does 50 look like? There's a story. I have that program in my head. I'm, I'm very aware of that conditioning and that conditioning sometimes tells me don't show up, don't take a picture of yourself, right? Like there's that, the part of myself that wants to convince me that I should just like give it up and step back. Right. And let the, you know, like to believe the part that I'm like sort of washed out, but I want to like clap back to that part of myself and say, no, like I feel really good. And this wisdom is like light that shines through me. Like I feel so alive and I want to show up in my aliveness. And I feel like when, when we, when we are alive, when we are fully like in ownership of like, this is who I am, this is my authentic self. And here it is. We encourage other people to do the same, right? Because a lot of us are hiding. We're afraid of showing our true selves. We're afraid of being rejected, right? All of these things. But when we show up, we give other people permission to do so. And that often comes in the later years. And what a beautiful example to younger generations, to our own children, even to say, I am going to be my full sexual self, or I'm going to be my full expressive self, or I'm going to take on a new hobby, or I'm going to like explore this, like I'm going to play here. That is a gift to other people. That is not selfish. That is our summary little line that you just said. I love this. I mean, you've said so many wise things. So I know people are going to want to be able to reach you. So I'd like you to make sure that we have every way that everyone can reach reach you, Isha. So why don't you share? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, um, my new website is ishavela.com. You know, I have my my devotion program, which is my one-on-one six-month container. And I have my Revolutionary Rompereglas online community, which is a beautiful community of like, committed lineage healers and um so, so tell us what lineage healers are because we yeah, don't want to go off yeah i mean this is this is a, actually a good thing to bring in for a moment is that you know the people who are alive now are because we're sort of in this this age of consciousness around where there's trauma awareness everywhere right now we are we are aware in a way that previous generations were not. And we are here, right? I I believe that we chose to be here right now and that we have an opportunity to heal, not just for ourselves and for our own expansion, but we heal seven generations back and seven generations forward. And so that's, that's why I'm committed to the healing because it's like, it's more of a, when we heal ourselves, right? There's a collective vibrational effect in your family of origin and in, in the generations, right? Cause we have like collective trauma in our families, especially if you are black, if you are Jewish, right. If you've experienced colonialism and seven generations forward and we heal the earth as well. So that is what I call lineage healing, Lin- you know, healing back into our lineage, healing forward into our lineage, create like our healing creates healthier relationships for future generations. Profound, profound for everyone to say, Wow, whoever thought of ancestral healing? I mean, we're all carrying all of it. It's so there's so much science yes. that's, that's really talking about this now that we really carry it in ourselves. So, so this yes. healing is is so much bigger than even this discussion. 
And and then yes. I, I know that you're you have so many other little areas of expertise that maybe we'll have you back on the show. But but for now, yeah, this won't I'd be up till January. So ishavela.com, I-S-H-A-V-E-L-A.com is the way to reach our wonderful Isha. And and I wish you continued joy and bliss in your healing and and pathway of teaching this beautiful this beautiful work. So thank you, Tessa, for having me here. It was such a pleasure. Thank you. Before we go into our summary of this episode, I wanted to tell you about next week's episode with an incredible author and wise man named Dr. Joshua Coleman about his book called Terms of Estrangement. If you have kids that, or you know people that have kids who they disconnected as adults. I made all the mistakes that I see parents commonly make when their child does this, which was to defend, to explain, to deny. But eventually I learned to just listen and empathize and more importantly, to take responsibility and really care about her experience and make that much more what was prioritized, not my experience, but you know, or how hurt or wronged I feel, however true that was, but more about how hurt and neglected or unloved she felt, which, you know, as any parent, it's the last thing any of us, it's the worst thing any parent can hear. Tessa, this interview with uh, Isha Vela is very relevant and very important to couples and individual in their open nesting stage, because we all, including, including the open nesters, carry intimacy wounds for so many, many, many years ago from our childhood. It's so important that in this stage of life, one should really know what they feel that is right for them at this moment. Right, beginning to really learn ourselves when we have more time and coming out of the ego, because the ego is a natural defense like Isha was talking about. And we say, that's the way I am. And when we say that, we're putting up a defense to our real intimacy of how we can connect deeper. And when we bring all of our parts into a relationship, we realize that that we can be accepted as we are. And that's the work. That's actually the work. That and, and the work is uh, showing up. I, I really like the fact that one has to show up for themselves like they show up for others to help them out. So when you need help, show up for yourself. And and the showing up is is also deep work. I mean, she gave examples of that kind of devotion that you can do. But just this self-love is letting our emotions move like a wave. So when we show up, we build that muscle of loving ourselves. And it's right. so something we don't talk about in the society. And, and I just want to uh, say to everybody that's listening right now, that don't get overwhelmed with the amount of practices that Isha is suggesting and also available to you. Just take one at a time and see what works for you at one particular moment. Absolutely. So I definitely feel like we've covered so much ground in this interview. And when, you know, when we show up for ourselves, I love the idea, which I've always lived that way, that we encourage others, we give them permission to show up as they are. So we want to give all of you that kind of permission to start showing up as you are, even with your messiness, Absolutely. in the right ways. I mean, obviously, we can't have explosions in the middle of work days, and we have to find the times for the right things to show our expression, our, our rage, to, to breathe, to shake, to cry, and use all of our emotion to, to be with it. And so then right. be with it in intimacy. Right. So right. And if you're already there, visit our website, theopenesters.com. That's double N in the middle. S at the end, theopenester.com. 
leave us a comment, take the listener survey, and tell us if you know of anyone that may be a good candidate to interview on the Open Nestor podcast. And also, I want to thank all of you, the listeners out there, as we welcome a new year and a new season for the Open Nestor. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Tessa and I would like to thank you for being such loyal listeners and making this podcast so relevant and so important to everybody. And we would so appreciate if you enjoyed this interview for you to share this podcast with a friend and tell them about the Open Nesters as we build this beautiful community of open-hearted, open-minded people. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you on the next episode. Ciao. been listening to the open nesters podcast a production of kiwi publishing and media executive producer tessa crone music by yoni avi patat audio engineering by lucid sound web design and blogs pj ewing this podcast is available on all podcast platforms to learn more about each episode and guest please visit us at theopennesters.com For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.